right. Well, um, we're going we're gonna to start a, a, a short little sermon series over the next three weeks. Uh, the, the, this is one of the things I, I love about preaching. Um, about three weeks ago, uh, you know, when we were preparing for the transition, it was about, well, three, four weeks ago, maybe a little bit longer, I'm not sure, but when we knew this was going to be taking place, um, I instantly had the, these, these three sermons uh, instantly played out in my mind um, that I was like, okay, this is, these, are, these are the first sermons that I want to preach um, when, when it, it comes time. And um, I shared, you know, with, with Malia. Malia and I were talking because she does all the graphics and stuff, and we talk about the names of, of the series and all that. And, and so I kind of shared with her what my thought process was, and, and we come up with this, you know, she comes up with this, you know, what, would this work, and, and kind of talking about throwback, uh, this idea of looking at our past, you know, and, and prepare, you know, preparing us for our future and moving us into the future and all that. And I said, yeah, that'll work great. Let's do it. Um, now, here's the thing. By no means is the, the sermon series changing by any means, but here's the thing. I have wrestled with this sermon all week long. Because, and it's the same passage that I was going to use from the beginning, right? We're going to be looking at Joshua. We're going to be looking at the first part of Joshua and talking through a, a few key moments in the beginning of the book of Joshua over the next three weeks. And it's the same passage, but I wrestled with this sermon all week long. And, and here's what's funny about it. Um, I have three different versions of it on my computer because I rewrote it three different times. Three different aspects of, of looking at this passage. And each of the first two, it was just like, I loved it. And I was like, yes, this fits what I was originally thinking. And this is what I want to talk about. And then as I continually, you know, yesterday kind of going through it, and there's just this one key verse or key, key phrase um, in, in this first part of Joshua that just would not get off my mind. And, and that's what we're going to focus on this morning. So uh, we're going to jump right in. We're going to look at, kind of look at, break this apart and just walk through some of this first part of Joshua chapter one. If you have your Bibles, that's where we're going to be the entire time is just the first like 11 verses of Joshua chapter one. But it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses is aid. Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. Okay. So, when I was processing with, with Matt before he left, I was sharing with him, you know, kind of what was going through my head with this. And this is, you know, if you remember one of his last sermons when he was here, or his last sermon, he, we were joking how, you know, this was one of the passages of Scripture that he thought about using, but I told him, no, it's mine, you can't use it, um, because I, I want to use it. Uh, so this is kind of one of those, you have this transition, right? You have perfectly worded right at the beginning of Joshua. Moses has, has passed away, and, and Joshua steps in. And, and, and so we're, you see a transition here, and that's why he thought about using it in his own sermon. And this is where my mind was kind of going with uh, what I was thinking through this. But like I said, as I was looking at that and studying through this and just praying about it, there was, there was two words in this first two verses of this chapter that just would not leave my thinking. And it was simply this. Get ready. Right? Get ready. And, and I just could not shake this, this entire week where these two words of get ready. 
And I kept asking, I'm like, okay, God, that wasn't the focus of what I wanted to talk about, but is this what you're asking us to talk about this morning, this, this call to get ready? And that's what we're going to focus on this morning because I want you to think about this for a moment. Uh, because we can read uh, stories in Scripture and we don't really think about what we're, what's happening here. Picture this just for a moment. Here's Joshua. Man, he's going through, he's going through a loss. Right? Mo, or, or Joshua has faithfully served under Moses for 40 years. Right? Moses was, was probably the closest person to Joshua as a mentor, as a friend, as a leader, as a spiritual guide. And, and here's this moment where, where it just, just so blunt. God just comes to him and says, Moses is dead. Joshua is dealing with a loss. Joshua, I can't even imagine what's going through Joshua's mind. As he thinks about what is going to take place in the days ahead. But this is the part that I thought was interesting when I was considering Joshua. Joshua is standing someplace where he stood 40 years prior, and the outcome wasn't very positive. So let's go back just a little bit. Remember, God brings Israel out of Egypt. He brings them and gives them the law. He takes them to, and he says, all right, you're going to go in and take possession of the land. They send in the spies, right? Joshua was one that goes in. They go look at the land, and, and they come back, and Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, say, let's go get it. Let's go. Let's go take the land. This is, this is, God has given it to us. Let's take it right now. And the other ten said, nope. We can't do it. They're bigger. They're stronger. There's no way that we can overcome. And Joshua is one of them that says, no, God is with us. Let's go take the land. And because of the, t- the ten that said, no, we can't do it, the entire nation rebels against God, and they basically say, no, we don't want to do it. We don't want to enter in. We don't trust you to go take possession of the promise. We don't trust you to give us the thing that you said you're going to give to us. And because of that, God says, fine, you don't get to enter. You're going to wander for the next 40 years. Imagine being Joshua in that moment. I mean, Joshua's got to be like, are you kidding me? I got to go wander around for 40 years because of them? I'm good to go. Let's, let's, let's go. And, and so Joshua had to spend the next 40 years of his life wandering in the wilderness with the rest of the people because of their disobedience. And now here he is standing again in the same place and God is saying to him yet again, you're going to go in and take the land. It makes me wonder if Joshua, now the Bible doesn't say anything about this, but I was thinking about myself in this. It makes me wonder if Joshua had a little bit of hesitation of like, are we going to have a repeat of what happened last time? Like he's standing there again, looking at the land that's just on the other side of the river, and I wonder if he's sitting there going, man, Moses is dead. If we couldn't get in there under Moses, how are we going to get in there now? What's the chances they're going to say no again? 
what's the chances we're going to have a repeat of all of this again? So I was thinking about Joshua with this. But then I also got to start thinking about anybody that was 40 years and younger. Imagine being a person that's part of Israel that for the last 40 years, the only thing that you knew about was wilderness. That's all you knew was wandering in the wilderness. And you constantly were given these great stories of what God had done to bring the nation out of Egypt. And and you're told like there's this amazing promised land waiting for us. There's this land that that God is going to give to us in your entire life. That's all you hear about, right? But it's kind of all just in theory. You don't have the background of saying, yeah, I remember when God split the Red Sea. I remember when God gave us the law. I remember all that. There's an entire generation of people that are standing there with Joshua. And Joshua, I wonder if he has doubt because he thinks it's going to happen like it did last time. And I wonder if the other Israelites that don't know all that God has done for them or didn't experience for themselves, I wonder if they're struggling to really embrace this promise because it doesn't track with what they've experienced up until that point. Right? Like you hear about how good it is, but it's like, I've, I've never experienced that, so it's hard for me to grasp if that's real. So then I got to thinking about the Jordan River. Because God tells him, get ready to go cross the Jordan River. And this is where the encouragement was for me. And I'm sharing this because I hope it's encouragement to somebody else this morning. Is the Jordan River, as I was thinking about this, represents that barrier that keeps you from experiencing the full promise that God has for you. Right? That's what the Jordan River kind of represents here. It is Joshua walks up to the river and he's like, I was here before. I got to this point before. And here's the Jordan. That's the barrier. That's what kept me. I didn't get past this point to get into the promise. And here it is again. I've come to the barrier. I've come to the wall. So this is why I share this or what was going through my own heart. And as I was thinking about this is, Have you ever had in your Christian life this barrier that it's like God brings you to it. You feel like God brings you to it, but you just can't get past it to get into the fullness of the promise that you know he has given to you. it, It might be doubt. It might be past hurt. It might be sin. It might be whatever it is. But there's something. It's just like you just get to that point, And then for some reason, it's like, ah, I got here again. But I struggle to believe that I'm going to get to the other side. There's just this, there's a barrier. And I can't seem to get past the barrier. You ever been like that? just struggle or it's like I I want so much more than what I'm experiencing and what God has given me and I know there's more but I just can't seem to get over this wall 
that's where that message of get ready just kept going through my head. Church, I want to tell us this morning that I feel very strong about this, and I don't know what it necessarily means individually or collectively as a church, but God is telling his people, get ready. Because I'm going to do something. Get ready. He's telling us as individuals and as a family, but also as a church, get ready. The thing that has stood as a barrier before you is not going to be a barrier for much longer. Because I'm going to do something that's going to bring me glory. And it's going to show you how amazing and how awesome I am. Get ready. See, but the issue is, and I think we have to embrace this. We have to kind of wrestle with this. This is something that God has been making me wrestle with a lot this week. And I know we can say that a lot. I mean, I'm not going to go into a a lot of a a detail with stuff. You know, it's up here and I can say, oh, I've been processing this or thinking about this. Um, God has really been making me wrestle with this passage of Scripture this entire week, personally. And I think we have to embrace something that is difficult at times, but it's always there. When God says, get ready, I'm going to do something amazing and awesome, get ready. I think we have to stop sometimes and ask ourselves, okay, Lord, I believe you, I trust you, but I'm also struggling with doubting you. See, I think, unfortunately, what happens many times in Christian life is we all struggle with doubt questions. I wonders, is this true? Is this not? Can I believe this? Can I trust and step into this? Whatever it is, we all struggle with doubts. But the enemy has done a really good job making us think that our doubt is evil. When many times it's our doubt that is the very thing that God is going to use to strengthen our faith to a place that it's never been before. See, when I say, hey, get ready, God's going to do something, it makes me wonder how many of us are sitting there going like, yeah, yeah, he is. Or do we fall back into that, I don't know. I wonder. I've come to the barrier before, right? I've got excited before. I, I've stepped here before. Like, I, my faith has been, you know, I, I felt the fire before. I felt the excitement and the passion and the, and the desire to push. And, and I got to the barrier. I got to that wall, that place I was at before. And just like every other time, I never got past this. Man, I, don't know if, I don't know if it's possible to get past this. Wonder. This is something that God's been wrestling. I mean, I just, I've been wrestling with this all week. But God is saying, get ready. So here's the thing. What, what, was, what was he telling them to get ready about? Notice what it goes on. It says, God says, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, and the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you 
nor will I forsake you. What was God telling them to get ready for? He's telling them to get ready for the promise. He's saying, you guys have been missing out on the promise for way too long. Get ready to take hold of the promise. Do we, do we realize this morning that the wilderness, Israel in the wilderness, was never God's intention for his people? Do you realize that? That was never his intention for them to spend 40 years in the wilderness. His intention was to bring them out of bondage and to enter them into the land. That was his intention, to bring them out of bondage and enter them into the land of promise. But an entire generation died in the wilderness. Here's why this is important. Because I believe there are many Christians today that we die in a wilderness that God never intended us to dwell in. We spend our Christian lives wandering in a desert of toil and dryness when it comes to our spiritual life in Christ. And we never fully experience the, the, the walk and the life that he wants to give to us through Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm not denying our salvation. But I deny, or I want us to, to, to realize, I want us to, to wrestle with this, I want us to ask the question, am I experiencing the fullness of the promise, or am I wandering in the desert? Am I wandering in the wilderness? See, the wilderness was never God's intention for you either. The wilderness was, the wilderness was never God's intention for any of us. See, he brought us out of the bondage of sin, and he invites us to enter into the abundant life of victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I want us to ask the question, this is the question that God has been wrestling with me this week, is, is asking the question, am I walking in the wilderness or am I experiencing the abundance of life that Jesus has given to me through his death and resurrection and the dwelling power of the Holy Spirit? Are you passionate about your relationship with Jesus? Are you excited about what he's doing in your life? Are you excited about what potential he is doing in you? Are you excited about his word? Are you excited about being with him? Are you excited about his people? Are you excited about his mission? Are you excited about all the things that he promises? Or is life just that constant drudgery? your life reflect more the promise or the wilderness? Remember, the wilderness was never God's intention for you. But for some reason, we've been duped into thinking that that's all there is. Unfortunately, we've been fooled into thinking that is all there is. And that's what I'm saying here again, is it makes me wonder if Joshua stood there and he wondered, is it even possible? Are we going to make it? It makes me wonder if all those Israelites that had never experienced the fullness of God's presence in the sense of his miraculous wonders and they were wandering and that's all they knew. Did they doubt it was even possible? My question, church, this morning is, do you believe that the abundant life is possible through Jesus Christ, your Lord? 
what do you believe is possible? God's saying, get ready. He's saying, get ready, because I want to take you into that. I, I love his promise here to Joshua, because it's not even about Joshua. This whole first part of, of Joshua has nothing to do with Joshua whatsoever. It's all about God. Notice that God says, I will give you every place where you set your foot. I have promised this to you. I will be with you. The whole focal point is here is God. You know, one of the reasons that I think we doubt so much when it comes to living the abundant life is because the enemy has done a very good job of making us think that the reality of the abundant life is dependent upon you. Like you are the one that has to create this life. You are the one that has to make it birth within you. You are the one that has to develop the abundant life in you. And God is very clear to Joshua, no Joshua, the abundant life comes from me. I promised it. I will give it to you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. All I'm asking you to do, Joshua, is get ready. Church, it is not your job to create the abundant life. All you have to do is get ready. That's it. Get ready. Now the question is very simple. How do you get ready? Be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. So let's process this for a moment. How do we get ready? How do we get ready for God to enter us into the abundant life that is ours? How do we get ready for God to take us into the promise that he has given us through Jesus Christ? We do it first by being strong and courageous. Let's explain. Let me explain this real quick. In the Bible, when it says to be strong, understanding the language here and kind of what this means, basically it simply is this. Stand firm, meaning live your life based on the promise. Right? That's how you live your life. Based on the promise. Stand firm and be strong. Live, act, believe based on the promise. Be strong. Well, I don't know. My circumstances don't make me think that the promise is real. It doesn't matter. God says, be ready. Get ready. Be strong. Live. Believe. Based on the promise that is given by the promise giver who is God Almighty. Be strong. The second thing he calls us to do is be courageous. This word courageous here simply means be eager about it. A great way to think about this is, is be eager is like courageous is the person that, that when something dangerous or something that makes other people shrink back, a courageous person is the person that just charges right in. Be eager to step into the promise. Be eager to pursue that which God has promised to you. Be eager to get ready about it. Be courageous. Our courage and our eagerness comes because we're choosing to be strong. And because we're choosing to be strong, we're called to be eager. 
I share this because if anybody else struggles like I do with some of this stuff is, it's really easy not to live life based on the promise as much as it's easier to live life based on the circumstances that surround me or my emotions. You ever find that to be true? When, when what you feel and what you choose to try to believe come in conflict with each other? That's where I've been wrestling a lot this week with that. And all I keep saying to myself is the words of God. It says, be strong, be courageous. Live according to the promise and be eager to pursue it. But God goes on. This is also how we get ready. Then he goes on, he says, be strong and very courageous. So I love this. He's like, be strong, same, same calling, but then he adds that word very, like be very eager about it. Be eager to pursue Jesus. Be eager to pursue the promise. And then he goes on, he says, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Don't you love how that ends? Of course I want to be prosperous and successful in my Christian walk. Of course that's how I want to live my life. But we try to skip everything else that God just said. God says, listen, I have a promise for you. And it is a promise of abundant life. And I want you to live and act and believe based on that promise. And I want you to be eager to pursue it. And the way that you get ready is you have an uncompromising devotion to my truth and to my word. So we, we kind of always ask God, like, well, where do I start, God? How do I, how do, I do this? Where, and he's, he's just so simple. He's like, it's the same for all of us. It's being uncompromising when it comes to how we approach the Word of God. And I'm not going to go through this in great detail, but I want you to see three things that we're called to do. If you want to get ready, if you want to be ready and get ready to enter into the abundant life that God has for you, here's three things that we all need to do when it comes to the Word of God. First, we are told, do not let it depart from your mouth. You know what that means? Christian, you better be speaking God's Word. Christians, we are called to speak God's word to ourselves. We're, we're called to speak it to others. We're, we're called to speak into other people. It was interesting Monday. I'll share this one story about this week. Monday, I was telling staff that I wondered if any of them were here and heard me because Monday was a rough morning for me, uh, which again, doesn't matter, but with the stuff I was, some of the stuff I've been wrestling with this week, and I was here at the church, and I was by myself, and it was so, I was just, I got to the point where I was like, God, I got to get up and move, so I started walking, the, the, I just started walking around the church, like not outside, but inside here, just walking around in the church, and as I was doing it, I'm actually like quoting scripture to myself, like I'm, I'm saying it out loud, I'm speaking truth to myself. And it made me laugh because I was wondering if anybody was downstairs because if they were, they were probably hearing some weird stuff. Because not that the word of God is weird, but it was me getting very, you know, at times frustrated and angry. And then there was a couple times where I, I would stop and as I'm walking, I would, I would just, I just started singing. 
Which, by the way, if you're ever here in the church by yourself, okay, it doesn't sound as good when you're in the sanctuary singing, but when you get out there and there's that echo, it sounds really good. I'm just saying. Try it sometime. But church, listen, Christian, if you want to live the abundant life, you better start speaking the word of God. You need to speak it into your life and over your life all the time. Constantly. When the enemy comes with deception or a lie or a temptation, you better be speaking the word of God. Husbands, wives, parents, be speaking the word of God into one another and your loved ones into your family. Right? I'm not talking about speaking at each other. Speak the power of God's word into one another. we're not doing that, we're not going to get in the abundant life, because God is telling us, do not let the word depart from your mouth. This is why you have to be in the word, so you can speak the word. This is why small groups, again, are so important, because if we're doing them right, we should be speaking the word of God into one another's lives, too. This isn't about debating the word, or, or you know, it's great to discuss it and to get deep into it, but man, we need to be speaking the word of God into each other's lives. Do not let it depart from your mouth. The second thing he tells us is God says, meditate on the word. Not only do you need to be speaking it, but church, we need to be thinking on it. Processing it. Meditate on it. Like, allow the word of God to just constantly be on your mind as you think about the truth of who God is and what he's done for you and what he promises you. You know how easy it is to think on everything else but the Word of God? That's all you have to get ready. Force yourself. Say, Lord, no, I have to take every thought captive and bring it back to your Word, your beautiful and wonderful Word. And I'm here to tell you one thing I've learned. One of the easiest ways to make sure you're thinking about the Word of God is to do the first one. The more you speak the Word of God, the more you'll think about the Word of God. And you'll meditate on it, and you'll just love it, because God will promise you through it. And the last thing he says, you do all of this so that you're careful to do everything written in it. Here's the kicker. It's not enough just to speak it. It's not enough to just think on it and dwell on it and meditate on it. Church, you got to do it. You got to live it. You got to obey it. God is telling us flat out, do you want the abundant life? Do you want the promise? Then you need to base it on this. Be strong by living according to the promise. Be eager to pursue it and prioritize my word by speaking it, thinking it, and living it. You do those things and you're going to get ready to enter the promise. You do those things and you're going to overcome whatever the barrier is that's keeping you from the fullness of what God has for you. Because notice what he says. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Then. Do this. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Again, some of the reasons why are we not living out this is because I want to ask you, again, to think about this. This morning, are you doubting the promise? Is it possible that this morning you are here and you're doubting the promise? You don't even know if it's possible to live that abundant life. 
If you are there, that is okay. Bring that before God. Be honest in your doubt. Be honest with your questions. Be honest with, Lord, I don't know if this is possible. I doubt whether it's possible for me. Bring your doubts to God and allow Him to reveal the promise. Some of us aren't living this out or reasons we're not living this out is because you might just be to the point you're just you're discouraged. Again, bring this before God. Speak His word and His truth into your discouragement. In our discouragement, we focus on everything but Him. And that's what he's telling to Joshua. He's saying, Joshua, focus on me. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you wherever you go. Stop focusing on all the things that discourage and fix your eyes on me. But the last reason that we're not living this, and this is going to be the tough one, some of us are just simply neglecting or rejecting to live the word of God. We're blatantly refusing to live God's word. We know the truth. We've heard the truth. We know what God wants from us. And we're just neglecting it or rejecting it flat out. God ends this portion with Joshua and he says, have I not commanded you? And he says it again, be strong and courageous. There's a theme there. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. As we end our time here this morning, this is the encouragement that I want us to have. God knows you're going to have moments where you're going to want to be discouraged. God knows there's going to be moments when you're going to be afraid. Otherwise, he would never even have said this to Joshua. He says, Joshua, I get this. When you start entering into this, when you get further and deeper into this, and you start living this abundant life, and you start seeing the fullness of what I can do for you, there's going to be opposition, Joshua. Things are going to come against you. Enemies are going to come against you. They're going to try to stop you and keep you from embracing the fullness of what I have for you. That is true for Joshua. That is true for us. God understands and knows there's going to be moments where we're going to get discouraged and we're going to be afraid and there's going to be moments where we want to give up. And that's when he says, don't focus on all of that. I am the Lord your God and I am with you wherever you go. Joshua, it's not about you. Joshua, it wasn't even about Moses. This is about me. And what I am able to do in your life. So again, if you want to get ready, if you want to live the fullness and the abundance of what God has for you, I want to challenge you with this and think about this and be encouraged by it to pursue this with everything you got. How much emphasis are you putting in your life to stay close and intimate with Jesus? Because it's the love relationship that you have with Jesus going to allow you to overcome any obstacle that comes against you. Any temptation the enemy tries to throw to get you to give up, to become discouraged, to become afraid. It's your intimacy with Jesus that's going to overcome all of these things. How much of a priority this morning is your intimacy with Jesus? How close are you staying to him? So Joshua ordered the officers of the people. That's how it is. 
go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, we're going to go across the Jordan. We're going to take possession of the land. The Lord your God is giving you for your very own. Church, are you willing to get ready for where God's going to lead you? Again, not just as a church, but as an individual. Are you getting ready so that when God says move, you're ready to move? Are you getting ready to take hold of the promise that he has given you through Jesus Christ? That's the promise he's giving you this morning. Get ready, because I'm about to take you into the promise that I've given you through Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious God, I... I don't know if this is an encouragement to anyone else, but Lord, I know that this week this has been a, a message that I have needed to embrace and understand so many different times. Lord, that it's not enough. Lord, it's not enough. It's so wonderful. Don't get me wrong, Lord. I'm not, I'm not blessing at all that you saved me, that you have forgiven me, that you paid the price for me. Lord, that you have redeemed me, that you have given me life and new life in you, Lord. That is, that is unbelievably amazing, and I am humbled by it, Lord, but that's not the end of it. Lord, there is the cross where you paid the penalty, but then there's the tomb where you birthed new life into me, Lord. You have given me the abundant life. Lord, I, I wonder how many times Christians embrace the message of the cross. But Lord, we fail to experience the power of the resurrection. Lord, not that we're not redeemed and not that we're not with you, but Lord, we've just been tricked into dwelling in a wilderness. We've been fooled to think that the barrier that's in front of me is too big. And for some reason, I can't overcome it. Lord, I pray that encouragement on us this morning that it's not about me overcoming it. It's the fact that you already have. Lord, you are the one that leads us into this land. You are the one that leads us into the promise. You are the one that gives us the abundant life. You are the one that does the work in us. You are the one that puts this truth in us that we can live by in the power of your resurrection. Lord, I pray that this morning nobody leaves here without knowing the promise that the same spirit of power that rose Jesus from the dead has been poured out into us. That we live our lives in the power of a holy God. Lord, and if we are living in the wilderness, that we reject that and we get ready to enter into the abundant life. Lord, that we prioritize your word, that we start living and believing and acting based on the promise that this is not the way my life was supposed to be, because Jesus, you have given me so much more. But I pray we leave here encouraged and ready to take hold of the fullness of who you are and who you call us to be. We give you praise. We love you. Let us be full of gratitude towards you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.